are inside the QB factory. This is episode 19, brought to you by the Five Folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, here to break down quarterbacks around the world. It's quarterback one in our hearts and our minds. He's Mark Schofield. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Mark. It's been a day on the old Twitter machine. How you doing, brother? It has been a day, Michael. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you as always. And I know you have a historical reference teed up, which I do hope is 10 minutes of you recounting your days <laughs> as a wrestler. I do want that. Uh, but I did want to briefly touch on Chuck Yeager, who passed away recently at the age of 97. And I would highly recommend The Right Stuff, both the book by Tom Wolfe and the movie, as well as the, I guess Disney Plus has a, a series coming out sort of based on that as well. Um, so if you're interested in the space race and you know, not just Jaeger, but the original Mercury astronauts. Uh, do check those out. I do want to recount a quick tale about Jaeger, who, as we know, was the first to break the speed of sound in the X-1. And Jaeger was clear about the risks he faced in flying. Um, he was quoted once as saying, quote, if you can walk away from a landing, it's a good landing. If you can use the airplane the next day, it's an outstanding landing. <laughs> he said of the X-1, quote, it wasn't the X-1 that would kill you. It was the systems in the X-1 that would kill you, close quote. And he said of those flight systems, quote, I was always afraid of dying, always. It was my fear that made me learn everything that I could about my airplane and my emergency equipment and kept me f- respectful of my machine and always alert in the cockpit. But then there was that flight in the X-1 in 1947. A man who took the job of flying seriously as Jaeger, he also took living life seriously and pretty hard. <laughs> he was notorious for his party and lifestyle. And in fact, Jaeger himself had a small role in that movie, The Right Stuff, as a bartender a nod to that part of his history. But it almost cost him. Before the supersonic attempt, Jaeger was supposed to rest. But in those days, there was a bar near those flying boys um, called the Fly-In. And it was a handout for young test pilots. It grew Jaeger and the woman who would become his wife on the evening of October 12th. And as Wolf wrote in the book, The Right Stuff, quote, Jaeger didn't go to Poncho's and knock a few back because a big test was coming up. No, he knocked a few back because in keeping with a military tradition of flying and drinking, that's what you did when the sun went down. Yeah. And after having a couple of pops that night, he and his soon-to-be wife would went out on a horse and he crashed into a gate. He broke two ribs. In pain, he had himself taped up by a veterinarian friend who pledged to keep the mishap secret. Two days later, Jaeger was strapped into the X-1. Because of the rib fractures, his movement was limited, but he managed to close the cockpit hatch with a chunk of broomstick on an engineer friend's recommendation who had sought it off for that purpose. Now, this is a dude... Worried about the systems, two broken ribs, locking himself in with a broken broomstick handle. Chuck Yeager broke the speed of sound, Michael, with two broken ribs. That's a crazy. true American legend. Wow. I yep. mean, that that's almost exactly comparable to my wrestling career, both in... in, in <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say that seriously. But no, I, that line about, uh, you know, it's not the, the fear of flying, it's the landing and, like, and, and all that stuff. Yeah, 100%. I get that. And if exactly. You, and, if, and if you want to see just check my twitter timeline today i posted some clips of uh my old professional wrestling have some fun with that it was all part of my josh allen apology tour which included filling out the josh allen apology form and then also uh donating to to one of the charities there in buffalo the uh, children's hospital and whatnot apparently that that gets me clean and then also they wanted to see me go through a table so that's actually kind of what kicked this whole thing off so if you want to see me go through a table uh, I got a clip of that up on my Twitter timeline, but my historical reference today, and this will tie in with the Eagles, trust me. Uh, so there's this old dead Greek guy named Eschilus, 
And Aeschylus is famous for being the father of Greek tragedy. In fact, he is so well known that Robert F. Kennedy could be heard quoting him on the night of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. He wrote over 90 plays, nine of which survived our time, including a play from 472 BC called The Persians, which is influenced by the Persian second invasion of Greece, probably due to the fact that he was a participant in the Greek victory at the famous Battle of Marathon. His plays were the first to have the main actor interact with a secondary actor, which laid the groundwork for much of today's dramatic work. He's also considered to have the first play that's a trilogy, which, of course, opened the door for the summer blockbuster trilogy of I Know What You Did Last Summer, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, and Who Could Forget, I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. (laughs) Speaking of tragedy, he was also killed by a turtle. Allow me to explain. So Pliny the Elder, writing about 500 years after Aeschylus's death in his natural history, wrote that Aeschylus was staying outdoors due to a prophecy that said he would be killed by a falling object. And by the way, this is probably a BS misunderstanding that never happened. But remember, as Pierre Briand wrote in his opening from Cyrus to Alexander, even if it is not true, you need to believe in ancient history. So again, prophecy saying you'll die from a fallen object. Cool. Let's believe that 100%. Let's chill outside, out in a field or something, because what are the chances, right? Well, wrong. This eagle or vulture, probably a vulture, this vulture confused Aeschylus' head for a flat rock. Aeschylus was bald, by the way, so he confuses his bald head for a flat rock. He thought he could use this rock to crack open the shell of a turtle that he was flying around with and then eat the delicious inside. So he drops the turtle from way high up, it lands on Aeschylus's stupid bald head. Boom. Instantly dead. So, so how do I tie this in? The Eagles have a quarterback that doesn't trust the protection around him, thinks he's going to be sacked to every play, and makes it a self-fulfilling prophecy with his terrible pocket management, much like Aeschylus believing a prophecy and in turn walking right into a flying death turtle. And that's how I'm loosely tying all this together and transitioning into our Carson Wentz. And Jalen Hurts' performance review. And, of course, we will preview uh, Taysom Hill as well with the Saints as we do every week here. So, Mark, as you went through this film, and I posted plenty of examples on Twitter, and I shared some of them with you. You can go see those videos. You can see exactly what I'm talking about with concepts like 383 Arizona and, and just Carson Wentz not reading basic day one install type of stuff from years ago. Mark, when you went through this film, do you feel like the Carson Wentz benching was justified? And what, what did you see? I wish I'd see a turtle get dropped on my dome right now. <laughs> um, it's justified. It, it's justified at this point. You know, we talked about it last week. When do you sit him down? What we sort of came to the conclusion of was when he's hurt it himself, you know, when he's hurt it himself as a quarterback and the collapse is apparent, and you have no other recourse. You have to sit him down to save him from himself. And and that's where he's at right now. When you're misreading basic day one stuff, it's time to fix him, and he's not going to be able to play through it. And that's where we are. And the shot of Wentz with the helmet on, clapping for the Hurts touchdown, (laughs) that stings a bit. I'm not going to lie. It stings a bit. You have to save him. The, The bigger question about Wentz is what happens now. Is there a plan to fix him? And if so, what is that plan? Is it a new passing game coordinator, a new offensive coordinator, an old offensive coordinator coming back and like Filippo? Who knows? But they've got to fix that because the economics are the economics. And he's probably cost prohibitive to move on from. But I think the bench was warranted. I don't think you had a choice at this point. The division is slipping away from you. You have to try to make something happen. 
The division may have already slipped away from you, so you don't have another choice. You might have to see what you have in Jalen Hurts because he might be your starter next year. So it's time to figure out what you've got. So when you're figuring out what you've got, we've got a very small sample size to work Extremely. with. And what I saw from Jalen Hurts, and, and look, I, I, I really don't believe that, that Hurts is putting in a, in a great situation here. Running the Carson Wentz offense, and now he's going to be going up against the number two DVOA defense in the league. So it's a challenge for him. And it's been a challenge for Wentz for obvious reasons. I mean, all the all this stuff about offensive line and wide receivers and, and some bland play calling, like all of that's true. That also applies to, to Jalen Hurts. And we'll see if he can make the offense look the same, which would definitely be a referendum on Wentz. We'll see if he can make it look better, which absolutely is. We'll see if it looks worse. I don't know how it can look much worse than it currently has been. Uh, through the through the past recent weeks, but when you look at what he did in this game, yes, he did take some sacks. There were some protection issues, uh, as always with the Eagles. He, to me, he looked more calm and confident, escaping pressure, moving in the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield, and uh, was able to deliver a touchdown be- because of that. And then I think he was also late on some stuff. I don't think the arm strength is the greatest. I, I thought he maybe missed some reads. I, I think it was a-, a mixed bag of everything. The thing is, for me, we're talking about him performing essentially like a five-year vet in Carson Wentz in his first game as a rookie where he sees a, a good a good deal of action. What did you see from Hurts? What were, what were you impressed by? Uh, what kind of like warning signs did you see there? I mean, warning signs are the slowness with reads and decisions and some of the looser upper body mechanics, which I think also are exacerbated by the slowness and decision-making and the thought process. But you expect that from a rookie, and I think in a sense you expected that from Jalen Hurts because mechanics weren't exactly his strength. Mm. And I know Mr. Mechanics don't matter until they matter, but sometimes on his throws, mechanics are a contributing factor to the ball getting there late. I think he did a good job at the combine tightening those up, Yeah. but muscle memory takes over when you're in a real game situation. I do think that the bucket throws, the shots downfield, those stand out. That might be necessary this week. You're playing a team in the Saints that – Runs more two-man than anybody in the league right now, at least according to some numbers from Matt Bowen that he put out on the timeline last week. That's going to open up some vertical routes downfield along the sidelines, maybe some stuff in the middle of the field. If you're not confident in him reading the middle of the field right now, you might need to stick to that vertical stuff along the boundaries and see what you can get in those situations. I think the touchdown is a good example of the scramble drill talent that he brings, eyes downfield, making guys miss. You're going to need that against a team that is top five in pressure rate numbers, top three in sacks. They're going to get pressure on you. I think the big picture is he's getting thrown to the wolves. Yeah. Like this is a this is a defense that can get after you. They can they gave Tom Brady the worst game of his career from an NFL passer rating. Like since like t- 2003. Yeah. Like the season opener in 2003, Brady came out, no touchdowns, four picks, completed 50% of his passes. They lost to the Bills 31 nothing. Tom Jackson doing the, you know, NFL, you know, countdown show with Chris Berman that night. This team hates their coach because they had just traded Laura Malloy to the Bills. Yeah. The Patriots went on and won the Super Bowl and Bill Belichick has never shaken Tom Jackson's hand since then. Like the, that blood feud runs deep. <laughs> but that was previously the worst game of Tom Brady's career until this year and what he did against the New Orleans Saints a couple of weeks ago. This is a very good defense. And if he survives this test, he gets Arizona next week, which is a top 10, 11, 12 defensive DVOA right now. That could be very confusing, yeah. That could be very confusing with their sub-package looks, their mug looks, their nebulous fronts and things like that. So mm-hmm. he's getting put into a bad spot. If he could make this work, then great. Like, fantastic. Maybe there's something here. The one thing, our, our, our mutual acquaintance, Arif Hassan, tweeted this out 
uh, this week. You know, when you went down to Mobile last year, strangers on the street, you know, people at bars, who, everybody you talked to could not stop raving about Jalen Hurts from a character locker room standpoint. You probably saw the Nick Saban press conference answer that he gave. It was floating around Twitter on Thursday morning, just raving about the guy from a leadership and character standpoint. And that stuff does matter at the position. But you're going to need more than leadership and character to beat the Saints defense. There's a lot they're going to throw at him. There's a lot they're going to be able to do to him. Maybe some scramble drill plays, some shot plays down the field might be enough. Uh, but then you got to deal with this Saints offense, which is getting better with Taysom Hill as its quarterback in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll talk about Hill in a second. But you're right. Like I, I 100% think that Jalen Hurts is a fantastic uh, locker room guy. I think he's a true pro. I think he's been through a lot of adversity. I think that's great for him in this situation. Who knows how much of that translates to on the field, right? And yeah. we talk about the Saints. We're not trying to make an, uh, an excuse for Jalen Hurts because we prefer him over Wentz or whatever the case may be. Yes, we're saying Wentz should be Benz, but it's for obvious reasons. I don't necessarily think that, that again, Hurts fits this offense. And I didn't necessarily think that Hurts was a top quarterback prospect that should have been selected where he was. Now, plenty of people will disagree with that. But at the same time, I am saying you do need to see what you have in the guy and you do need to understand the context going around him. These are not excuses. This is me just looking at it and going, how could you ignore this? Uh, Mark, when you looked at your quarterback rankings from last year, where does Hertz fall in there? And what kind of scheme did you want him in? Because I think unless you build like a, a Greg Roman-ish type scheme for him, then outside of like the RPOs for the Eagles, I don't think it's a, it's a fantastic fit. And that was the discussion we had yes. in the moments after the pick and in the weeks after the pick when we renamed the show to the QB factory and all of that stuff. When I saw Jalen Hurts, I saw somebody that would fit best in a kind of what the Chargers are doing. Mm. You know, RPO-based vertical shot plays, spread stuff. I didn't see a, you know, branch off the Andy Reid West Coast tree quarterback. You know, but then, you know, we started to think about it. You saw, you know, some of the moves they made, guys like Hightower, guys like Quez Watkins, you know, the trade for Marquise Goodwin, even though he opted out, there was a move to be fast and vertical. Yeah. There was a move to be aggressive in the downfield passing game. That was everything Howie Roseman was saying. That was everything Doug Peterson was saying because they thought that fit Carson Wentz. Well, gestures in the vague general direction of three, <laughs> nine, and one. I mean, we could see what happened here. Um, maybe if the eventual plan is to stick with that and to be more vertical as a passing game and to draft Rager for his speed and get Marquise Goodwin back for his speed and all of that stuff. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, I think, fits that. But for where this offense is, for running 3-8-3 Arizona and these more quick game type concepts at times, that's not Jalen Hurts' strengths. So we might see more of a vertical passing game. We might see more of a vertical you know, game script and game plan against the Saints, but the the fit was interesting. The pick was fit was interesting. It really made, sort of threw a monkey wrench into how we were thinking about the Eagles. And I guess it threw a bit of a monkey wrench into Carson Wentz's brain ball. Right, which we can talk about, like, if that's what it does to your quarterback. You, you can We can lampoon the pick. I, th I, th I still think the pick was bad. But, but if it does this... Right. Like... Is that the look, guy? I mean, is that the guy? Yeah. And when your quarterback is looking over his shoulder, it's not a good thing. But when he's looking over his shoulder in April because of a second round pick that people are lampooning, like if that's really what happened here, and who knows? Right, right, the right. Reports, but that's not a good thing too. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, 
poured himself four fingers of tequila and is suddenly lighting the world on fire. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe guys get motivated in different ways. And maybe we're learning something about Carson once. Who knows? And I had actually had a discussion with somebody in the in the DMs recently. It was a listener. It's 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 buried somewhere in here. I'm sorry, man. I wish I could uh, shout your name out, but he kind of kicked back on me when I mentioned Aaron Rodgers in the in the post game uh, reaction pod. And he was saying, you know, Aaron Rodgers is also a, an established Hall of Famer. Okay, so maybe that's not an apple to apple comparison. Absolutely not. But like, if you want an apples to apples comparison, what about Alex Smith? Through I don't know, pick any point in his career. Because he struggled as a as a young guy, he was benched as a young guy, and then he starts to play well, and then he loses his job to injury. Not because he was playing poorly, loses his job to injury to Colin Kaepernick because Kaepernick comes in and lights the world on fire, and then he goes to the Chiefs and he's playing has has his best season as a pro when Patrick Mahomes was just drafted, and he's replaced anyway, and then he completely destroys his leg, might have to have the dang thing amputated. Everybody's seen the pictures. And he's, and he's playing well now this year. If you want a comparison and say, hey, okay, maybe it's not Aaron Rodgers. What about Al- what Alex Smith has been through? Because that's the type of leadership, determination, confidence that you need as a quarterback. Your quarterback has to be slightly psychotic, but not like ex-girlfriend psychotic. Like it, it feels like some of the reports are kind of saying Carson Wentz is being. And maybe that's a bit dramatic. Maybe it only has a part to play in his confidence issues. I don't know. But I think ultimately that, that Carson Wentz right now absolutely 100% needs a reset. And I, I think he can get back to 2018, 2019 form. I don't think Carson Wentz 2017 is walking through that door anytime wow. soon. Mark, your thoughts on that or uh, you just want to kick it to taste some milk? Do I want to kick it to taste some what a What a look at the words that are coming out of your <laughs> mouth in the year of our Lord 2020. Do we want to kick it to taste some hill? No, I, I think you have to be psychotic to play this position. Like you just have to be. You have to be built different. Like you have to understand the slings and arrows that are going to come your way with a success and failure. You have to understand that teams will be looking to draft your replacement. When Tom Brady was in New England, they drafted a quarterback basically every other year. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like because you have to always be looking at having a plan B. Um, I think with Alex Smith, he had Mahomes and took him under his wing. Like that final year in Kansas City, like he was teaching Mahomes how to play the position, how to be a pro, picking him up in the morning, making him watch film with him, like getting him ready to take his job. And you could, or you could go the Joe Flacco route. Right. Like you want to see a disgruntled human being, look at Joe Flacco was last year in Baltimore when he had to get flexed out wide to line up a receiver because Lamar Jackson was in the game. <laughs> I mean, you think Jay Cutler handled that wildcat formation poorly? Flacco was literally lighting cigarettes when he was lined out there because he was just like having none of it. Like maybe Wentz has gone more of the Flacco mindset than the Smith mindset, but you have to be able to handle adversity as a quarterback. And this is adversity for Wentz, but he's battled with adversity before from injuries, but this is just a different kind. And I hope he gets back to that guy. This is a guy that I really thought the world of coming out. Yeah. Um, I got a Wentz jersey handed in my closet, kids. Like, But we're seeing something that that is tough to see, um, not just as an Eagles fan, but as a uh, a fan of quarterbacks. Yeah. Um. So I guess we could kick it to Taysom Hill, which is a thing we have to do because this year is not done with this. It's like the meme I created. Yeah. Me, Michael Kist, up against the ropes, thinking that there's a slight, tiny sliver of hope here at the end of 2020 and December in the form of a chair to the dome. <laughs> And you know, to Wentz's credit, just you know, one more note on that. Uh, he he was out there in Wildcat. He was on the uh, you know outside of the formation, and he was he was out there blocking. So I guess that's a positive sign. All right, when we come back here on the QB Factory, we are going to talk. Good God, yeah, we're just going to talk. 
going to be tasting We're going to do things. We're going to do some things. Words are going to come out of our mouths. That's coming up next. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back here on the QB Factory, episode 19, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with QB1 in our hearts and our minds. He is Mark Schofield. Mark, the moment the gentle listeners have been waiting for. We're going to break down some Taysom Hill. And I, I think there's some misconceptions out there from people that that believe in QB wins. And, and, and there's stuff to, to clear up with Taysom Hill. Number one, I think he's been fine for what he's been asked to do. Uh, and look, Drew Brees wasn't doing a whole lot of downfield passing anyway. So I think is for Hill... Over 70% completion. I don't care how low the average depth of target is. I mean, he was basically running the offense like Breeze was. You know, they're just not getting uh, just as uh, quite as much. And they're getting more on the ground from him, too. So really just showing the the brilliance of, of Sean Payton again. And I've said this several times on the SB Nation NFL show. This is about Sean Payton. This 8-0 record with backup quarterbacks is, number one, about Sean Payton. Number two, it is about the defense for the Saints, which the defense has been absolutely lights out. They have not given up. 20 points or more since November 1st. Their last 30-burger was October 12th. Uh, no, 30-burger was back in September 27th. So they have been shut down, lights out, giving fantastic, quote-unquote, use a baseball term, run support to Taysom Hill. And also Drew Brees, too, because Drew has needed it this year. And they did it last year, too, with Teddy Bridgewater. Right? If you look at the EPA for for quarterbacks from Breeze to to Hill and, and Bridgewater, there's a there's a sharp drop off there. So there is a, a real drop off going from Breeze to a guy like Hill and Bridgewater. And now, of course, they are with Hill. But right now, their defense has they are back. I mean, three points allowed against the Bucks, thirteen against the 49ers, nine against the Falcons, three against the Broncos. Of course, that was you know with a practice squad wide receiver. We'll skip past that one. And then sixteen against the Falcons. They're just on fire. But looking at at Taysom Hill, what do you see? What does he do? What are we looking for? I mean, I think we have to start with the context. Like we were just talking about with Jalen Hurts. He's played against Atlanta twice in a Denver Broncos team, which while it was on the offensive side of the ball, was started a practice squad wide receiver quarterback. Like he's been given some opportunities to make plays against teams that aren't great. 
Um, so this might be the toughest challenge he's had as a quarterback to date. That being said, you're seeing signs of growth from Taysom Hill as a quarterback in the NFL over the past couple of weeks. I mean, you look at this this last game against Atlanta, and the first game and the first start, it was a lot of designed runs and really simplified stuff. His best throw was like a vertical shot play that he underthrew by like 15 yards. Yeah. And it only was a catch because like everybody on the defense was running around like they had no idea where the ball was. I mean, it was like it was like football follies come to life. Yeah. But you watch what he did against Atlanta. This go-round, they had a third and 17, but they trusted him to make a deep out route throw against and admittedly, Baldinger broke it down, and you watch this play. Like they're playing like prevent defense, but Sean Payton's asking him to make a throw from the pocket on third and seventeen to move the sticks, and he does it. How many teams on third and seventeen might just say, "Look, we're going to punt, so let's run draw, let's run screen, let's run a tunnel, maybe we sprint something." No, he's like, "Look, you're going to make a throw from the pocket here." They're doing some stuff downfield, vertical releases. They're doing some some sail, some flood. They're asking him to read the field a little bit. And of course, they're doing what they've done with Drew Brees, which is a lot of space and concepts, West Coast stuff, stuff underneath, getting the ball out of his hands quickly, targeting guys at space, getting matchups after the catch and getting Alvin Kamara involved. And yes, there's the run game element. Yes, there's the play action element that builds off of that. You know, So there's a lot of things that they can do that are going to stress you as a defense. But I do think we've seen signs of growth from him. You've seen him make reads, make throws, work through progressions, click and climb in the pocket. Better than I think a lot of people expected him to be in his third NFL start. What? It was one of those moments. I heard just about all of that. And then for some reason, the last sentence, I just like totally spaced out. <laughs> I mean, I've seen what's happened to that dome, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Did oh. you think three years ago mm. when we got into doing this, yeah. did you ever imagine that in some December morning, turned afternoon in the twilight of perhaps my life we'd be talking about Jalen Hurts versus Taysom Hill oh god never in my I mean no like like if this was a Christmas Carol Dickens moment <laughs> and the ghost of Christmas yet to come had come to me and showed me these were the shadows of my future <laughs> I don't know how I would have handled it probably not as well as Scrooge I would have done some things differently have, have we is this our penance Mike Forgetting to do what we do, is this our penance? Yeah, I mean, because we do have some pretty lush gigs. I, I, we do. I, yeah, I will, I will say that. So, like, I'm not really, really complaining, right? It could be a lot worse. It, I could it could be, be a lot worse. Look, yeah. times are tough for people out there. 100%. Like, believe me, we get it. Like, yeah. There are people who are legitimately struggling, who have lost jobs, and we get it. And we get to sit here and yap about football and then play video games. And so, we're not complaining. Yeah. But at the same not time, totally not complaining because we're talking about <laughs> Jalen Hurts versus Taysom Hill. And I mean, you you look back. You said three years ago, like I would have said, well, what the hell happened with Wentz and Foles? Like, right? <laughs> or what, Drew Brees? What like, happened to Drew Brees? Like, what has like man? And it, and it feels like the stuff with with Wentz. And sorry to get off topic here, but like here we are. Uh, has just accelerated to a point where like, no, they can't trade him because they're financially tied to him and, and, and so on and so forth. And now, I mean, ba some people think he's basically in Indianapolis with Frank Reich, right. which is like the obvious choice. Like, holy crap, guys, slow down. He needs a reset, right? Like, do you really want to uh, give up 100% on that when, uh, again, like, how the heck are we here? How, how are we talking about it like this? But, like, Mark, it, 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 this, this league 
happens at warp speed. Yeah, it chews people like, up. It so chews quick. people up and spits them out. And Wentz has gone from a guy that can be fixed to a guy that's a reclamation project basically overnight. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the same edits of him in a Colts uniform floating around the timeline where, I mean, he's basically, I've, if he, if it's all to be believed, he probably has a home in Indianapolis already. <laughs> like, also, this offseason is going to be crazy at the quarterback position. Yeah. Because you've got the Dak Prescott thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got Wentz out there. Phillip Rivers as a free agent. Like, does he retire? You've got a huge draft class coming in. You've got Darnold. You've got other quarterbacks that teams might give up on. You've got Washington's QB situation. Like, it, it that it's all going to be fascinating. But, you know, the Wentz thing... It happened so fast. He's broken. I think he can be fixed. I don't know who can fix him. If people are volunteering me to do that, I don't know if I could. Um, and you should probably choose somebody else. Um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm flattered that there are people out there that are asking me to be the Eagles quarterback coach. Um, I'm not so sure about that, kids. <laughs> do you remember last week in my stats? Right. Is that what you want? <laughs> I mean, I mean, what about like a guy like get him working with a guy like a Jordan Palmer? Who like works with a bunch Jordan of Jordan Palmer, Quincy Avery. Yeah. Like one of those people because and I I forget who said it, but somebody said it on Twitter is that you need to go outside the organization. Yes. Because and for all the reasons we've talked about on this show and elsewhere, the CBA rules, the practice time, you've got to install game plans and game scripts. Like you can't spend time just working with the quarterback. Quarterback coaches, like, I don't know what they do because you don't have enough time. Like, so you've got to get him with a private quarterback coach, a Palmer, like you said, a Quincy Avery. Quincy Avery's done wonders, obviously, with Deshaun Watson. Palmer's doing wonders with guys like he's with Allen and Burrow. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing what those guys are doing. He needs to be with somebody like that. Like, he needs to be with somebody like that. The second Tony Rocopi, who's another guy that coaches quarterbacks, um, who I think the world of too. Um, if they have, if once his people haven't already reached out to somebody to do that, then allow me to do that right now. <laughs> allow us to do that right now. Like, please. If you're listening to this, somebody that knows Carson Wentz or has ties to him or can get him a message, call one of those three people. Have them help you starting now. Yeah. And especially this season, like I, I was talking about it with Eric Crocker, uh, and he was a yeah. you know, former, you know, DB. And he was telling me, look, this season with the with the no training camp and everything like that, this is all about guys preparing themselves and training right. themselves in the offseason. And for a quarterback like Wentz, he is not going to be fixed in a training camp. He needs a, a total reset and a total rehaul starting from the moment the season ends, working with a private trainer, working through those issues so that when he gets to training camp, he is ready to go where he needs to be and can hit the ground running. Because I don't think that happened this last, last offseason. That's on Wentz. That is not on the coaching staff, if that's the case. And, and what's interesting, Mike, remember this summer – when we talked about the the image of once walking into start training camp when he was ripped, and we're yeah. all like, whoa. Like he had his first offseason where he wasn't rehabbing something, whether it's a back or a knee. He could throw himself into getting ready for the season. Apparently he hit the weight room. But did he do anything else? Right. Like, that's you know, that's thing. that's the thing. And I think you're right about that. It, it, it's a good point. Um, but yeah, the, the second their season ends, that Monday morning, he has to be on a plane to LA or he has to be on a flight to New Jersey with Rokopi or I don't know where Quincy Avery's based out of, um, but to one of those guys to fix this. Yeah. I want to see those Tom Brady training on the beach montage, annoying social media videos. I want to be annoyed by those. I want to see him <laughs> on the beach, Rocky Three montage style, yes. rutted spreads, um, maybe alongside Josh Allen and Sam Darnold on the beach, Santa Monica Pier, 
um, in a Jordan Palmer video. Yeah. Like, I need to see that. Yep, 100%. I agree. If I see that, then I'll, I'll, I'll at least be like, okay, he's really, really working on it. He's got the right people around him, and I think I think that's the big thing. So we we got totally off topic, but I think that's more important than Jalen Hurts yeah. versus Taysom Hill. So I'm totally fine with that. Mark, anything you want to hit on before uh, we get out of here? What, what's your power level on Assassin's Creed Valhalla? Where, where are you exploring? <sighs> I am. I've gone down south now because remember you started south. I went north. Yes. We flipped that. Um. So I'm starting to go down south now. I'm at like 67 mm. right now. Uh, I'm still trucking along. I will say, and I'm getting a little anxious given some of what I've read. Cyberpunk arrives Monday. Yeah. I decided to go in on that. Yes. Um. And it's it's you know not the next gen console. Um, so I'm not going to get the full graphics and stuff like that, but I got to give that a shot. I, I'm very curious about that, so I, I'm going to give that a shot. I've been uh, watching. I've been watching it on Twitch because some of the streamers have it early, and it looks it looks pretty cool. Like I, it, it looks very cool, yeah. but like it seems extremely buggy. Yeah, so I'm wary of that. Valhalla is um, a little buggy too. Like it, it, Valhalla is a little buggy. Like I always have a problem when I'm trying to like take control of the ship. Yeah, like, it, it just just the mechanics of stuff like that. And that's always been a thing with Assassin's Creed games. Like sometimes the game mechanics are just, why can't I climb this wall? It's right. not letting me climb this wall. I've been trying to climb this wall for 20 minutes. I need a new controller because I couldn't climb this wall. Like <laughs> those things happen. I'm I, just saying. The, my, the, I'm a the, man. I'm 43, Mike. <laughs> right. The most annoying thing thing for me as far as like the bugs go, uh, number one, there was like a key bug where like if you start a raid and you you, you want to get the key to get the book of knowledge or whatever, you can't do it. It's in, it's in some territory. I got, I got that bug, but I ended up like coming back to it later on. I think I think it's just like the little stuff for me, like looting the chest doesn't feel like natural as it did right. in Odyssey. Getting off the boat when you start a raid, it's like, OK, you know, I'm going to be using this boat for raids. Why can't I just push up on the on the directional right and hold down sprint? And just give me a path to where it's just like boop, 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 out, right? Right. Like you're chasing Instead, one of those little like tattoo Instead, you're like diving things. off the back. Yeah, you're going off the side and whatnot, or you're climbing up all the way to the top of the thing. Like they made it so weird to just like get out of the boat. <laughs> yeah. And I've always felt like boats in games in general yeah. are just uh, – like it's been a thing with the Assassin's Creed game. It was one of my only hang-ups with Witcher 3. Really? Was getting in and out of boats. I was just like – I, I, I'm just trying to get in the boat. And in Witcher, you always have these like sirens that are like trying to like claw you to death. And I'm just, I just want to get in the boat. Yeah. Okay. I'm an old man. I'm probably too old to be doing this with my life. I just want to get into the boat. Like I can't get into the boat. You know? outside, outside of that, I really am loving it. I think I'm, I'm power 120 right now. So I can wow, start messing around with the, the 90 power territories. And I've done all the raids, most of the raids down south. I'm starting to get deeper into Wessex now, which which is in the south there. And I took um East Anglia, which is actually a really fun one. Go to East Anglia, do those missions next. Those are those are good. Pledge your allegiance to them. And I'm I I got the order people to stop following me around and just jamming my face in every two seconds because of that decision with Leo Fritsch that yeah, we talked, like we that talked I, about. Yeah. Yeah, that I thought I messed up the first time and totally screwed my game for hours. So look, we're having fun on Valhalla. We're gonna actually we're gonna do an episode where we just talk about the different decisions that we made in Valhalla, because they have this decision system that kind of impacts things as they go. And uh I want to see what Mark decided, what I decided, how they screwed our games up, why we're dumb and everything like that. That's gonna be like an off season thing. 
or maybe next week, depending how the, yeah, uh, the season for the Eagles continues to go. But thank you for joining us here on the QB Factory. If you enjoyed our uh, goulash of a conversation here, leave five stars in Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave a written review. Say your following directions. I don't care. Whatever you want to put in there. Just do it. Steal your girlfriend's phone. Do the same. And as always, go dominate and have yourselves a day. G and